grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. And Nick, we just got to see Chapter 12 of The Mandalorian, The Siege. The Siege, Chapter 12. Very, very exciting. It was very exciting. Um, but before we dive into Chapter 12, The Siege, which we will be spoil, spoil, uh, spoiling if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Nick also dropped earlier this week. Are our fans what dropped earlier this week? If they haven't already known what is going on, absolutely. If you if you have missed it by some small chance of whatever, um, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special came out on Tuesday on Disney Plus. And if you are of my age or Steve's age or any kind of Star Wars fan of any stripe, really you are aware of the original Star Wars holiday special and the, I don't know if I'd call it joys that it brings people, but the laughs that it brings people, the angst that it brought George Lucas after it aired one time. And he said he never wanted it to air again. Um, It was hard to find for some time. Brought with complications. It is available on YouTube primarily, Mm -hmm. I think is the main place you can get it. Every now and then I see somebody flash a DVD of it on Twitter and I'm very jealous. I need to make that a part of my mission to hunt down. Um, But out of the weirdness that came out of the Star Wars Holiday Special, we also got some things like Boba Fett, most notably, Mm -hmm. was his first appearance. Um, And so for all the the ups and downs that the original Holiday Special has had over the years, we got word several months ago that Lego was going to be doing a Star Wars Holiday Special. And I, I think you agree with me that all of the various Lego Star Wars offer- Star Wars offerings, and even the Marvel and DC offerings, are fun. The games are fun. The Lego movie is fun. The Lego Batman movie, I think, is really fun. I love Will Arnett. Um, but they bring joy, happiness, fun things. It can only be wings, good. Yeah, little wings, little stuff. Easter eggs. Without the pressure of it having to be canon, without the pressure of it having to fit into the overall big narrative, it's just fun, which of, you know, as we say quite often, that's what George Lucas intended this whole thing to be, was something fun for kids. The Lego Star Wars stuff takes that right to that point. And so this past Tuesday on Disney+, Plus, the Lego Holiday Special came out, and it's about 45 minutes of just fun. What it's, longer, when- it's longer than I thought it was. I was a little shocked when I saw how long it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if, if you've not seen the original one, like Nick said, go see it. It, it came out between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Um, is, is, isn't that correct? Yes, uh, that it came correct. out. It came out uh, between them. It was a television holiday special. And uh, since Nick, uh, hit, I think you hit the nail on the head, this is a none of its canon, and in that fun that you don't yes. have to be like I didn't like that. So, uh, what I was thinking, Nick, that w- what we could do is we could take all of the fun stuff out of how we do the Mandalorian, and and just use that and take all the negative stuff out because there's no no reason <laughs> to put it in there. So I'm going to just ask, uh, you know, we don't care about the plot because it's not canon. We don't care, you know, least favorite part, whatever. Uh, so all I'm going to ask is, what was your favorite part and what was your favorite Easter egg, Nick Milky? And I've only seen it once, and I watched it Tuesday morning after I dropped my kids off at school, like any good 42-year-old would do, is take your kids to school and then sit down and watch a Lego Star Wars cartoon. Um, I would say, I mean, the Palpatine stuff really made me chuckle. Like, I just thought that was funny. His 
you know, demeanor and the way he interacts with Vader and then Kylo Ren and just, you know, this whole, you know, galaxy's best emperor, the coffee mug, just, I don't know, something about the Palpatine character made me laugh a lot. That Palpatine character reminded me of the robot chicken Palpatine (laughs) character. Very much, very much had a robot chicken vibe. And that's a good thing because the robot chicken Palpatine was (laughs) was <laughs> one of the funniest i think my favorite line of all of robot chicken is so i threw the senate at him um <laughs> the whole entire senate um the whole entire senate yes so, that so palpatine rang true yeah um i i thought it was just i thought it was fun i i thought it was uh you know if if this was something that was going to be a real tv show or a movie it would be like come on but it's a fun like uh, it's a fun way to romp through all of the uh, all the different eras and sagas and bring them all together. Um, and anyway, it was just I, I thought it was a really fun way to kind of let all of our characters interact and old Luke, young Luke and and all that. I thought it was just I thought it was just a funny kind of thing that you wouldn't get to do in any other medium other than like animation Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I thought that was really good. What was your favorite Easter egg? Um, and it was in the trailer, so it makes it feel like, you know, if I liked it that much, then it must have really been a good one. But I love it when Lando is opening the president from Admiral Akbar, the present from Admiral Akbar, and please be a cape, please be a cape. And he pulls it out of the box, and Admiral Akbar goes, It's a rat. <laughs> like, it just, you know, it hit me in that dad joke, pun heavy nod to Akbar, and it's a trap. I, it just, it was fantastic. I loved it. What about you? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I, I really, um, honestly, I really liked the um, the setup of uh, Ray teaching Finn with the remote control thing. Mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know that that kind of that was one of those things of I was not expecting to have, and it was not desiring to have like an emotional connection whatsoever. I was like, oh, of course she would do that with Finn, and right, and um, and you know it's. It was a nice build off of the story. So clearly this is taking place after, even though it's not in canon, after the events of uh, Rise of Skywalker. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it was a, a neat little thing. It kind of had a Clone Warsy feel to it with Yoda doing the narration. Um, I, I will say, uh, Eric's eat, uh, okay, I, I, we weren't going to do this, but the one drawback, you want to hear my one drawback? And it has, yes, not, it has nothing to do with the Lego <laughs> Can I, uh, and, and the whole time I was watching it, I just thought to myself, I wish um, this much care and attention had been given to the sequel trilogy as was given to the <laughs> Lego Star Wars holiday special. Because I was like, you know, uh, I don't know. It just, it, it kind of, eh, anyway. Um, so, but no, very good. If you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend it. You can watch it throughout the whole holiday season. Absolutely. And just to tag on that note that you said, too, just about the care, the attention, the Easter eggs, those kinds of things. Um, You know, there were so many things along the way. Of course, there was even the nods to the original holiday special. They were celebrating Life Day, which is something that we came to know. And I think you knew this, um, but the original holiday special came out on November 17th, 1978, I do believe. Um, or maybe it was 77, that same year, because Star Wars came out in May. May so that, yeah. Yeah, that, so November 17th, 
which is also the day that it dropped this year was also November 17th. So that was a fun little bit of, you know, circuity. Um, but the, the recognition of life day, which was the holiday that they celebrated in the original special, you have Chewbacca's family, but no lumpy, in. no lumpy. Yes. Yeah. No lumpy. Um, but lumpy was you know, Chewbacca's kid. It's right? Itchy and Mala. And that who yeah. was his wife and his son. Um, and, so you had those little nods. The other one that I thought was fun is they kept talking about the tip yet. Who's going to make the tip yet, yeah. which was the meat dish. And that's a galaxy's edge thing yep. because at one of the restaurants, there's, you can get the roasted tip yet, which I think is actually one of the things that's being roasted on the podcast engine that we talk. I mean, the pod, pod podcast, here we are ah. the pod racer engine um, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Pelimoto and, you know, so they have all this, you know, corporate synergy that they're tying through it with all the different properties. So lots of fun. I watched it that one time, like I said, when it came out earlier this week, we are entering Thanksgiving break at the end of school today and my kids will all be home and they haven't seen it yet. So I look forward to getting a chance. To oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah. Laugh and let, listen to their take on it as well. All right. Well, a lot of fun. Watch it multiple times throughout this whole holiday season. A great gift to us. And uh, so now let's dive into the Mandalorian. Uh, we ask our five questions every week. Uh, favorite part, least favorite part. Let's see if I can get this right. Pivotal plot point. Favorite favorite Easter egg. And what do you want to know more about? Which is no doubt. Um, yeah, you got it. So Nick, what was your uh, what was your favorite favorite part of Chapter Twelve? And by the way, spoilers. Okay, well, chapter Twelve. Yes, that's right. There will be spoilers here. So if you. If you haven't seen it yet, take a quick pause, come back when you're done, check it out. It's a fantastic episode. Um, before I get into my favorite part, the one little note that I want to give up top, I did some checking. I did some very basic research, which is that I watched the trailer again. We are now halfway through mm -hmm. this eight episode run, and we have seen everything that we were shown everything. in the trailer yep. for this season. So we've got four episodes left. And it's wide open territory, which I think we will delve into a little bit as we get down the road. Yeah. Footage update. The trailer is complete. There's nothing else in there that we're waiting on. Uh, my favorite part of this episode was the direction of Carl Weathers. I yes. Think Carl Weathers. I don't, I don't know why. I love Carl Weathers so I think much. He, Well, and, and we're going we're gonna, to have a counterpoint in my next category. But for now, as I'm talking about my favorite part. The way he directed this episode, it was an action-heavy episode, which he did well. It doesn't surprise anybody. He's in, been in action movies. He knows action. Um, but this episode, to me, is the most Star Wars feeling of any episode of The Mandalorian so far on huh. so many levels. The camera shots that he used, mm -hmm. there were several, like the speeder bike, as the camera's coming past the speeder bike going forward, that's an original trilogy shot. Mm -hmm. The when the razor crest is chasing the ties and there's that cannonball spin corkscrew, that's, you know, that's Vader's tie twisting in that camera shot. Um, the sound work and the sound effects mm -hmm. that were used, there's still, you're hearing a lot of, you know, when um, Horatio Sands, our friend, the blue mithril steps out onto that little thing to power up the lava flow or whatever it is. It's the same sound from the death star when Obi-Wan mm -hmm. down the tractor beam, like, to me, the directing the, the directing choices that Carl Weathers made for this episode hearkened very, very strongly to the original trilogy, and I just I can't be happy enough about it. I thought it was fantastic. No, I I will agree with that. Um, there were there were times when just watching the scenes, 
itself that uh, the way, you know, the, the way a, a speeder bike person, uh, a trooper, you know, gunned his engine was just mm-hmm. the exact shot from Return of the Jedi. There's a lot of things that felt. And once again, I think that you and I've talked about this before. These are callbacks that are that are not, you know, smashing you in the face. Um and, and that's and that's something that's really it, it it does give its connection without being, you know, the uh, the worst whenever this is R two D two, but but it does give that connection. Uh, and no, what I, what I was saying was I just like Carl Weathers in general, and I was just like, oh, of course, I, he, of course he directed it. Um, <laughs> I really liked coming back to Navarro. Okay. Um, I, I you know I, I felt like we were going to one of two places, Tatooine. <laughs> Or Navarro, because the ship is in such disrepair. Absolutely, right? and, I, and and I feel like you're kind of on record as stating that you're you're ready to be done with Tatooine. Is that correct? I'm not ready to be done with it. I mean, we we definitely have a story there. the The issue is is that you you have space travel, so it's a big galaxy. It's it's a big galaxy, and but there's also space travel. So there's nothing that says that that the next time we run into Boba Fett, you can only run into Boba Fett on Tatooine. Right. Like, there's nothing that's saying that. I mean, there's nothing to say that Boba Fett didn't travel to Navarro. Well, the Um, two X-Wing pilots that we'll talk about later, they've managed to follow Mando from Navarro to Tatooine to wherever else he's been over the course of these four episodes, so they can clearly get around. My my thing is, is that, you know, we we don't need, um, you know, some characters are tied, like Pelimoto is tied to Tatooine. Um, but anyway, you know, and, and for right now, uh, Cobb Vanth is tied to Tatooine. I'm not going to be upset if we go back to Tatooine in any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to be upset if he, you know, goes to give Cobb Vanth his, uh, the armor back and say, I need help. Uh, I wouldn't be, I mean, there would be some questions about Mandalorianism and all of that stuff, (laughs) but I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be upset to see that again. Um, I just, I was happy to go back to Navarro. We haven't seen Navarro since the season finale. Uh, we haven't seen Kara or Grief since the season finale. We haven't seen Mithral since episode one of the first right. season. And so it was, just, it was nice to see Navarro. It was nice to see uh, how like life was springing up from Navarro in the absence of the Empire. And and I think um, I, I think that there was this kind of running trope that like, and, and I get it uh, that when the Empire left, not everything was great. Uh, and, and I liked that we were shi- kind of showing the, every, not everything's black and white. There are some grays and that the empire established order. Yes, that order was bad, but it was order. At least I kind of liked seeing that for, for like just a moment that when you got rid of the empire, something good happened. Um, that was kind of, that kind of felt G esque and, um, mm-hmm. and, and very hopeful to it as opposed to, we got rid of the empire and everything just, was handed over to the pirates or to the this or that, you know. So I, I thought that was really kind of nice. It was good, you know. I, I think we forget this. Uh, Green Karga, you know, we haven't really gotten to see him be a good person. Because, uh, I mean, we just really went from him almost turning on them to to a big battle to the end, right? So right. we get to see that he's actually a pretty competent, good person. Uh, okay. And and I just kind of liked seeing that. I liked seeing Carla Cara in her new role as Marshall, uh, beating up a bu- bunch of Aqualish and getting a new <laughs> pet. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that. The other favorite part I really enjoyed that as you had this epic space dog fight 
uh, or low environments dogfight with Mando at, and the TIE fighters at the end. That baby Yoda's in the back just pretending like he's on a roller coaster as opposed Absolutely. to his, he, he's Hands about up. to die. <laughs> so, Assuming we, uh, so I mean, I just, well, I just well, like while that. he eats his stolen blue macaroons. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I enjoyed that. I think, I think that we're very quick to forget that he is so in the story, uh, young. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that this episode, especially, uh, kind of, he had that kind of rocket and Groot feeling of yes. push this button. No, 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 not that, that one. No, 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 um, no, no. So you kind of get that feeling and, and with the baby Yoda and the dog fight at the end, uh, it, it's just a good reminder that this is a, this is a toddler at best. That's right. Uh, that's and right. so anyway, but, that's my favorite there, part. There's a lot of, and just along something that was enjoyable as well is just throughout this episode, you know, baby Yoda has been more background in the first three episodes. He's been here and there, you know, last week, it was the um, the Bo-Katan and uh, you know, that whole deal. You know, he's not been background, I shouldn't say, but it hasn't been so completely focused on him. And so to get a little bit more of him this week, a little bit more of the cutesy personality, the cookies, you know, this kid clearly likes to eat the soup. Um, they're eating the soup on the ship, which <laughs> we, get that, we get that little crack of, you know, is, you know, Mando starting to loosen up a little bit. He's opening that helmet just enough to drink the soup underneath it. But I also wonder, too, has Baby Yoda never seen Mando without his helmet on? No, like I'd say he's not. Them, no. When it's just the two of them cruising across the galaxy, is he not? Is he still in full-on childhood? I, I think so. Uh, it made me begin, when I saw that scene, it made me begin wondering if... um and and I have nothing to go off of this with if that whole story from like two months ago of Pedro Pascal and Favreau and Filoni blowing up with each other over taking the helmet off, if that wasn't just a plant, just a misdirect. Well, I, not just that. I mean, it ginned up, you know, some people are like, Ooh, what's going on there? Uh, I mean, you can kind of see things progressing to taking the helmet. I mean, it, it feels like we're pointing in that direction. We've right. met Mandalorians that take their helmets off. He begins, you know, eating in front of somebody else. So I, I do wonder if that's one of those things of we just felt like, well, they had that fight. So it's definitely not going to happen. Right. Because they Absolutely. had that fight uh, to actually see that's a That would be a huge moment of character development for him to oh, actually take. Sure. It. Um, and I think that I agree with you. I think that's where we're heading. It, it seems that we're heading that way. Doesn't mean that we are. It just, uh, you know, anyway. Well, Nick, uh, what was your least favorite part of what I thought was going to be a filler transition? We just got to get from point A to point B, <laughs> B is Corvus and meeting Ahsoka Tano. Uh, so I didn't think we were going to get really much of anything in this episode. But what was your least favorite part? My least favorite part, and this is not going to be the most popular opinion, and it may be my hottest take on The Mandalorian. I'm not a super big fan of Kara and Grief as characters. I love Carl mm. Weathers like you do. I love Carl Weathers in Arrested Development. I love Carl Weathers in Rocky. I love Carl Weathers over the course of his career. He truly seems to very be a very genuinely good dude. Um, I love how he directed this episode, like I said at the beginning. Um, but those two characters, I, I said I was in a live chat with some uh, another podcast earlier this morning listening to what they had to say. And my hot take for them was, I'm not sure we see those two characters again this season, and I'm fine with that. Um, they don't, 
those two characters just don't do it for me. I don't hate them. I'm not, you know, angry about it or anything, but I, there's lots of other characters I'm much more interested in than Cara Dune and Greek Cargo. Mm. Well, they, they've kind of made their arcs in some way. Uh, I, I think that you could see another arc maybe for Kara, but if it, it, in as much as going back to the new Republic, right. Right. But I mean, we we have watched grief's arc, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now we we see its fruition, and it's kind of one of those things of I like seeing that. But is it is it terribly interesting to see that four more times in the right. season? No, Absolutely. I like I like Kara's arc of going from you know bar fighter to marshal. That's a sure. really that's a really cool and interesting arc. But once well, again, and I, and I go ahead. Well, you know, but once again, like. I, I, they could take her somewhere really interesting and cool, but I feel like her arc's completed, and that might be why it might be a little boring to see them on screen. Is where do where do you go from here with them, right. sort of thing? Absolutely, absolutely. And the other challenge for me with that particular character is separating the real life actress from the character in the show, mm-hmm. because that that actress has said some troubling things over the last couple of months and some made some statements that I very much disagree with. And so then trying to also not let that color the way I look at this character in this show. But I think when I do that, as a general rule, those two characters are just not the most exciting thing for me in this show. Well, they, they've had their plot progression. It's like Kelly Moto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she's, we've not seen any, you know, anything with her. Um, right. I mean, what what she does is she kind of points to the next thing. But even we don't even have that here. Um, I mean, what what this is, for all intents and purposes, this um, this episode is to get us to Corvus, right? So the question was, what where what was the stopping point to get us to Corvus? I think and we I I think Navarro was a good place, but and we say that this episode was to get us to Corvus, but there's a part of me that says this episode was for something else that I'm pretty sure we're about to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think going into it, the sense was yeah. this. Sure. I, I don't think anybody felt like you were going to see Ahsoka Tana in this Correct. episode. I think Correct. that, you know, the goal of this episode was get a ship fixed to get to Corvus. And we did. Absolutely. We we achieved that. But we Correct. had a fun adventure getting there. Indeed, um, we did. My least favorite part, and this will come as no surprise to anyone who has listened to anything, <laughs> I don't like any real connections between this happy place that is the Mandalorian and the sequel trilogy. And when <laughs> and and when uh, when we look at the test tubes, with the 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 tanks with the the beings in it. And we do have the music. And I will say this was the first episode where I really noticed callback, a lot of good callback music to right. the trilogies. But we had, uh, that's um, uh, The Emperor's Tale, or I, I'm trying to remember, uh, Palpatine's story or something like that. It's the the Mon Calamar op and, uh, yes. and the Emperor talking. Uh, that That is the music that we hear uh, when they... Um, see those beings and those tanks that tune that that tune was picked up and uh used and kind of repurposed a little bit to be snoke's theme which made a lot of people feel like that that meant snoke was darth pelagius because the story of the emperor is have you ever heard the tale of darth pelagius the wise um what a really cool interesting way you could have gone with that 
but we didn't. We didn't at all. Um, <laughs> and so um, when, when that happened, I was like, if all of this is just to like in retcon, like, no, 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 no. The sequel trilogy is really pretty good. Right. Uh, I'm going to be like, no, do your, <laughs> do your own thing. Don't, don't, don't try to clean up J.J. Uh, Abrams. J.J. Uh, <laughs> Abrams mess. Um, and, and I mean, so, you know, to me, what, what I remember hearing is, is that all this was like John Favreau's like 20 years ago, John Favreau pretending like what he would do. And so it's either like, is John Favreau writing this in or is this the storyboard coming in and being like, you know, this would be a really good way to like clean up and make some sense of the, whatever we just right. put out into movie theaters. Um, and I, I think it's, I think it's a happy mix of the two. Um, and I think we're going to get to that when we get to our pivotal plot point. I'm all but certain of it. Yeah. But I just, I, I was just like, is that Snoke? I hate Snoke. <laughs> I don't like Snoke at all. He could have been. And a lot of that is because of what a potentially awesome character he could have been. And it just, right. he, it just fell flat. Um, sure. So what do you think is the pivotal plot point of this episode, Nick? The pivotal plot point, as I wrote it on my sheet, when I took my notes in all capital letters, is cloning. Cloning. That's mine. Cloning. 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 We get Dr. Pershing back. We learn that the recorded hollow that we see with Dr. Pershing was only three days prior. So Dr. Pershing is still kicking it somewhere. He's still a part of what's going on. We get a drop, and I guess this could certainly fall into the Easter egg, but it's bigger than that. Um, you hear an offhanded mention of M count. Yeah. I think we all understand that M count means the midichlorians because Pershing talks about the baby and the blood and, you know, the experiment. Um, and so this cloning thing is obviously very present. We all kind of keyed into that in the first mm -hmm. season when we see Dr. Pershing, he had the Camino and cloner patch on his jacket we kind of assumed that it was heading in some sort of direction. They were doing tests on it on baby Yoda. Um, and so what I think that does certainly is a couple of different things. I think that it does set up maybe less about Snoke, but more about Palpatine. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, you know, in revenge of the Sith, when he's talking about, you know, the tale of Darth Plagueis, the wise, it's always been an understanding that Palpatine trying to figure out how to prolong his life. Like that wasn't a new development towards the end of Jedi. Like that's been his big arc for himself was how to live on, how to be immortal, to have the power, all of that. So this to me fits neatly without trying to apologize for Rocky <laughs> Skywalker. Like it creates some space to go, okay, these things could be connected. Is Gideon doing what he's doing at the direction, maybe not of the emperor himself, but some sort of imperial emperor recording, some things that he put in place. You know, I know there's a part of that with um, the story mode of the Battlefront game. Mm -hmm. Versio, and you've got the big red. They look, don't they look like the emperor, imperial guards, but they've got the hologram of the emperor's face saying, yeah, now it's time to do that. You know, so I feel like it could be something like that. Is this cloning? Is this testing a part of a bigger picture direct direction from the emperor that said we get that really awesome shot right at that kind of second couplet at the end 
when Gideon is on that light star destroyer and or light cruiser, whatever it is, and he's standing in that room, what are those things? Uh, what, I, have what a, are those, I have a theory. Are but... those dark troopers from the Dark Forces video game? Um, you know, there's something there. So to me, the pivotal plot point is definitely cloning. We get a, a nod towards midichlorians, kind of said in a more technical medical way as an M count, whereas with the Jedi, it was a more mystical thing. Um, but what about you? You clearly have thoughts about cloning. So it, it's the cloning. We definitely learned a couple of things and, and really well done exposition. There's always in moments like this could be bad exposition and good exposition. That's just when a character is explaining to you something um, that you need to know. Right. And um and so that kind of that moment from Dr. Pershing was a great moment of exposition, right? It's a report. Mm-hmm. He's giving it to Moff Gideon. So we learn, A, we, we learn a couple things from that recording. Like you said, Pershing's alive. Gideon's alive. Horatio Sands is the mid-roll delivers a great. It's only three days old. Uh, yeah. Like when he says it. And the really weird thing is, is that like this guy wouldn't know anything. But the fact that, you know, it's if this recording's three days old something this is not going to go well um because clearly our characters think gideon is dead now we know he's not um, right we learned that baby yoda is not a clone that was a big question if he was a clone or not i i think that this shows that he is a real uh being that's a non-cloned being that they're harvesting his blood uh uh or her blood do we know i guess yeah it's referred to as a him, right? I don't know. Right. Who cares? Who, yeah. Um, but the idea is that they are trying to harvest the blood of baby Yoda in a cloning process. Uh, but it, it keeps not going well. And it's all based off of this. Yes. End count. And of course that makes us assume midichlorians. I wonder if it means something else too. Like if that's a little misdirection, we didn't explicitly say midichlorians, but, right. um, but there would be, you know, so I, 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 I want to leave that kind of open, but I'm well, kind of curious. Think it, I think doing it that way, and for people, you know, fans like us, they're going to automatically key in on that. I think it also has the opportunity to help normalize something that we previously were kind of up in arms about. Like I remember, yeah, that, I was it's like, that, that, that was, was something that in the in the in the prequel trilogy, I was like, really, midichlorians? Like we don't have to have the scan, you know, we don't, you know, hit the the big razor that Qui Gon uses to communicate with obi-wan and do the scan and the blood check and the whatever like you know that that's always been one of those points of contention that fans have said we didn't need there to be a genetic blood description reason for the force but this does help normalize something that is in canon and is a part of the story well and and i think the pushback with that was the jedi were supposed to be this mystical order i don't think uh, i have as much problem of a cloner attempting to understand how do you make more force sensitive right whatever and to and to boil it down to this whatever genetic thing called midichlorians and anything, I, I did think it's funny. It's like we want to use midichlorians, but we don't want to say it because it ticked off a lot of people back in the <laughs> early two thousands. Um, but I mean, what what we can clearly gather from this is they are attempting to clone force sensitive, hyper force sensitive beings. For Absolutely. what for what purpose? We're not entirely sure. You can connect those dots to Palpatine or it could be something completely different that, but for nevertheless, that's what the attempt is. And apparently it's not working. Right. And they need more, right. they need more blood from baby Yoda. Uh, and so, 
uh, we're about to see that's kind of raising the stakes that now the ticking clock has kind of restarted because uh, they they need they need contact with Baby Yoda again. Right. So that's our pivotal plot point is, OK, uh, that's that's what they're trying to do. And they need to they need to get their hands on Baby Yoda. And of course, we now have a tracking beacon on the Razor Crest that's headed to presumably a former Jedi. We do, and that begs a question and a connecting point that I'm wondering about, um, and I may even d- do a little prognosticating here. Um, there is a tracking beacon. The sketchy look did that sketchy looking alien that was working on the ship that planet did that alien look like Ochi of Bestoon? Is that who that alien reminded me of? I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where I've seen that face before. Um, but so you have, yes, you have a tracking beacon on the ship, classic Star Wars. You know, we let them get away. There's a tracking beacon on the ship. I love whenever that happens. Um, but that also begs the question for me, is there a active bounty fob on Baby Yoda still? That, that, that also, would make you think no, because if there was, me- they would just use the fob, which goes back to who were the random people who were randomly attacking you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the only reason I ask that, and this leads to my kind of wild, wild speculation is let's say we have a scene in the next episode where somebody has a tracking fob and the tracking fob is somehow keyed to the M count of the child. And they walk into this room looking for a small green little something that the fob is keyed into. And instead there's a hooded figure who turns around and that's your reveal of Ahsoka because the fob happens to be midichlorian sensitive and so they found something they didn't think they were looking for i don't know just quite quite crazy crazy theory but there it is well so that's i mean clearly i feel like this question of cloning is going to come up through the rest of the season um but nick what was your favorite easter egg there were numerous easter eggs in this episode there were numerous easter eggs the one that made me laugh the most was when the Mithral goes out onto the platform to power down the lava flow and makes the comment about how there's no rails anywhere. Because, because that is also a very solid Star Wars trope and piece of humor from the entire run of this wonderful universe that we love so much. But the Empire doesn't build rails on anything. It's nothing but thin catwalks ripe for people to fall off of. I think the first time I ever saw that like explicitly referenced in a joking way was the family guy blue harvest, which of course was the code <laughs> name for star Wars blue harvest. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like, why, why can't there be any rails here? And I love that in, um, in um, uh, the force awakens, we got rails, but they like, yes. then they just kind of went away for no reason. <laughs> um, so, um, but okay. So, so the no rails Horatio Sands yeah, I, tractor. I, I, I like the no rails. Yes, that was good. Any other Easter eggs that, that piqued uh, your interest. You, you mentioned previously the Aqualish, who remind us of Panda Baba from yeah. the Cantina scene, and also his appearance in Rogue One mm-hmm. with Doctor Evazan um, when they were on Jeddah. But that Aqualish species at the at the beginning that Cara Dune breaks up inside the the old covert yeah sm- smelting area. I love that shot coming in of the Mythosaur logo having been removed from the wall and the stain on the wall. So that was fun to see that species and hear that very familiar guttural grunt. Uh, the other one that I wrote down, and this is one of those blink or you'll miss it kind of things. You know, they go back to the tavern or bar or whatever it is. And as they're heading inside, 
they had turned it into a school, which gave me a little bit of a space, little house on the prairie vibe. <laughs> um, but as they're going into that in the town square, there is a statue of. There's a statue. I had that the IG11 monument. I will say yes. I loved. So I love the whole idea of like definitely that's that's the quickest way to show we've cleaned this town up, right? You had <laughs> the old shootout bar that you know has turned into the schoolhouse. That's right. Until the town school until the end when Grief Cargo said to Amanda, buy you a drink, which is like, oh, so did y'all just <laughs> did y'all just build a new bar? <laughs> or that's right. It's a, bar, it's a bar in the evening, school in the daytime. <laughs> that's a very a very Deadwood kind of thing. But in Deadwood when when Joni Stubbs opened her um house of ill repute, I believe she loaned it to the school during the day at some point. <laughs> so uh no, I liked the IG eleven monument. I thought that was yes. really I thought that was really neat. Uh, I love the uh, this is just because I'm a, a baker and a cook, not by trade, but by uh, by fun. But one of my favorite dessert items to make are macarons, which are mm-hmm. which are different from macaroons. Um, Correct. And they're, I misspoke. Earlier. They're a French. Uh, they're a French uh, almond cookie. And it's what uh, the baby Otis takes for the first time. We see him use his force powers this season. And I was just mm, like, I take issue with that. I think he used his force powers to pull the eggs towards him in the oh in yeah the frog in the frog lady bucket the first time he puts his little hand and face up to it and they go and sucked up to the glass. Well, interestingly, so I thought about this in season one where we see him use his powers and I'd have to go back and think about it and really see it where we see them. It's in moments of like high energy and mm-hmm. and could be like more emotional things. So rescuing the mud, you know, rescuing Mando from the mud horn, choking Cara Dune um the fight the fire trooper the fire. like mm-hmm. these seem to be very reflexive things right uh and in this season we're seeing uh the force powers conscious more choice. conscious choice which is I, I think shows a little bit of development i don't know if that's intentional or not but season one really seems like because uh, there was that moment where grief carter's like he'll do the little magic hand thing and the baby just waves yeah. like I can't just like, hey. I can't just conjure this. Like I don't know <laughs> how to turn it I don't on. know how to do that yet. And now it seems very much more intentional. Um, and so I, I thought that was nice. But anyway, I liked seeing macarons. They are good space cookies. Um, works works well. I liked seeing, and my my theory is is that uh, the end shot, all of those black uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of plastoid armor. I, I think those are the old dark troopers. Uh, I might be wrong. I yeah. might be wrong, but the, I think that those are the old dark troopers, which would be super cool to see. Last, the latest I think we've seen them was actually in uh, in a game that's no longer canon. Uh, what was that? Um, it was Dark Forces. Wasn't well, it? Dark Forces. That's an old one where we saw, but but I'm thinking of oh my gosh, I can't. I don't have it written down, but it's the one, the Force Unleashed. We saw. Did we see dark yeah, troopers? Yeah, yeah. And that one as well. Dark troopers are droids, right? Correct. They are droids that are advanced battle droids. Yeah, that kind of look like stormtroopers, and would definitely be, uh, you know, give Gideon a, a, a greater sense of superiority and a greater hand, right? Because we see that he has access to to death troopers and stormtroopers, but dark troopers would definitely um, up that game. A little bit, so uh, I think that that would be a really kind of anyway. I thought that was neat. It was based off of that game, and I don't know if you caught it, but the people who were working on them were wearing the same insignia from that game from the Imperial Department of Military Research. 
Oh, I did not see and that. And so that's why I really think these are dark troopers, um, which makes Gideon even scarier. But it also means, because I had the first thought, to me, if that's what he's building militarily-wise, my first thought was, is Gideon trying to make, like, forced, force-infused clone troopers with this baby Yoda? And, and I think that that quickly dispels it, because it looks like mm-hmm. if he is indeed making a droid army, then he's not going to go that route. Uh, so anyway, I think that that gives more credence to the more kind of Absolutely. resurrection thing. So I really liked seeing that. It was a very ominous shot. Re- regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not, what whatever they are, it looked scary, right? Yeah, it definitely And, and did. of course him, Nicolas <laughs> Esposito, anytime saying that he will be ready for someone. Is just terrifying, even if it's you know yeah. going to be making them a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, oh <laughs> yes, we will be ready for them. Is terrifying because um, I mean it. It does kind of the and and to me it, it was the genius of Thrawn. To me, he very has much has this Thrawn like feeling of his yes. his strength is not the use of the force. His strength is he just seems to be pretty smart. And yeah, he's just he's he's an honest yeah. dude. All right, Nick. Well, what what do you want to know more about after this episode? Well, I think the thing that we all want to know the most about or more about, we're definitely going to get. So I'm going to go in just a little bit different direction. I spoke about characters earlier. Um, I want more Carson Teva, Teva, mm-hmm. Teva, the the X-wing pilot that we see at the end talking to Cara Dune. He's been floating around the galaxy with Trapper Wolf, Arthur <laughs> Dave Filoni. Um, but this actor, Paulson Young Lee, I just, you know, he w- didn't get a ton last week, but or the week before with the Spiders, but he gets even more this week talking to Cara Dune and just, you know, the connecting point he made with her, he put that either medallion, I actually kind of thought of it as like a challenge coin um, that can be very popular in our military where you give somebody a coin, you know, whatever. But he had that moment with her. I just like him. I'd I'd love to see, you know, more of him. What is he doing? Is he just, you know, is he just military police? Is he got, you know, he talked about being at Alderaan or having served at Alderaan. Um, I like that character. So I'd love to see some more of him pop up somewhere in some helpful. Yeah. I was curious when he first threw it down, I was like, Oh, you gave her like a badge, but that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was wondering, like, it was it more of like a challenge coin or, and you can look up what a challenge coin is. Um, if you want to, but it, it definitely was, it, it definitely represented he's leaving a piece of the of the alliance or the New Republic behind. She can yes. either pick it up or or leave it, and I don't think we ever see what she does with that. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I would like to see more of the, we don't really see much of the New Republic. Um, they seem to be relatively friendly, and, and it didn't seem like he was there, it didn't seem like Connor was there because the Mandalorian had been there, it seemed like he was there because an Imperial base had blown up. Right. Um, so I, I don't think that they're like hunting the Mandalorian down. I think that they are, right. uh, I think that they were investigating a military installation up and it was just like, by the way, we also saw that the Razor Crest had been here. He was like, nah, that's probably wrong. Um, right. I, of course, I want to know what he ends up to. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I think that that is is going to fill that in for us uh, a lot more. 
And I, I feel like we might not – have we been told how long this show is going to run? Like how many seasons yet? Or I believe three and four have been – three is guaranteed, and I'm pretty sure four has been – like Carl Weathers, I think, himself talked about um, – mentioned some things about season four being excited or going to be happening. So I believe three is guaranteed. And four is pretty much guaranteed at this point. Well, I'm I'm just kind of curious uh, as to where this is going because here here's the thing: if this is indeed the plot to resurrect Palpatine, I I, I can only think of one of two ways that this is going to go, right? Either Gideon is successful. I, I mean, we we know at the end of Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine's back, right? So we know that right. that somehow this, if this is indeed what's going on, this is what's caused the success. So does that automatically fate our characters to lose and Gideon to succeed? Or I don't know. I'm kind of curious as to where that, that goes. Uh, that was one of the things I kind of liked was that uh, we were playing in a time that, yeah, we know what's going to happen you know, 30 years from now, but it didn't seem like it was going to have a direct impact on that. And if the more we kind of color this with what happens in 30 years, I, I feel like the more we're beginning to be like, we kind of know where this is going to go. And to me, that kind of takes sure. some of the fun out of it. So, um, but not, no, I just want to know what he's up to. So that's what. I, Absolutely. Well, I'm sure we are going to get that. That's for sure. Well, anything else for the good of the order, Nick Milkey? I believe that has it covered for this. Well, week. may the force be with us. Always. Always. All right, we are back with another Harper's Hot Take. We just watched Chapter 12, The Siege, this morning, and we are now on our way to school. So, Harper, tell us, what was your favorite part about today's episode? Okay, my favorite part was when, right after the recap, then it panels over to the Mandalorian with the child in his ship, and they're messing with the wires. And Baby Yoda just can't seem to get it right. You like you like the comedy of the Mandalorian trying to get Baby Yoda to do the wires, and then I think we all kind of saw what was coming when he said, "Don't touch them together." And then, of course, what happened? He touched them together. So, you like the comedy of that? Yes. There were several good Baby Yoda comedy moments. The wires. We had the cookies in the classroom. The roller coaster hands in the air at the end when they're flying in the ship right before he throws up on himself. So. Lots of good Baby Yoda. Did that work for you this week? Oh, yes. Okay, and let me ask you this. Next week, we know that that episode is going to be directed by Dave Filoni. We kind of hope or think that that might be where we see Ahsoka, but based on what we saw in today's episode, what is something that you're looking forward to in the last four episodes of this season? Hmm, let's see. I really hope, like, I'm really wondering if um, Mithril will betray them or if he's still, like, on their team. Oh, okay. So maybe some betrayal from the little blue guy that's working for Grief Karga now. He's very suspicious. He's very suspicious. All right. Well, we will have to keep our eyes peeled for that. And thank you, Harper, as always, for joining us. May the Force be with you.